And cue music. Welcome to episode 29 of A-Sides. It's Andy going solo with another interview. And uh, I got to say, I'm super excited. I'm super excited for the guest tonight because he's actually uh, my favorite drummer. And the first time I ever saw this guy sing and play, I was like blown away. Because Brent always uses a phrase that he uh, gets his uh, dick uh, knocked in the dirt. And I guess I could say uh, that my guest tonight, uh, Kenny Wright, he had knocked my dick in the dirt uh, the first time I heard him. So, welcome to the show, Kenny. Thank you for having me. That's that's uh, quite a compliment. I wasn't aware of that. So, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. The first time I heard you guys do, uh, it was like fists and guitars, and then you kind of throw in sometimes ACDCs, um, Let There Be Rock. And I feel like whenever I hear you guys play those songs, I just want to like start a riot and like rip up stuff in a bar. That's how awesome <laughs> Um, you guys play those songs. Well, thank you. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, with the climate happening right now, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, but uh, I'm going to take it as a compliment, and we'll just go from there. So. Oh, shoot. I didn't even <laughs> think great. about that in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't go there um, at all. <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so you are currently, right now, the drummer in The Great Affairs, you're, um, but you're also uh, share vocal duties with Denny. And you share songwriting duties, but uh, I recently found out though that you have like previous bands where you were the front man, you were a guitar player, and I guess it, one of them was Prodigal Sons, and then you did Scarlet, <clears throat> uh, which Bob Long told me about. He showed me like an old album cover. Yeah, yeah, um, that's not the exact chronology, um, but and I started out as a, you know, I always was the singer and the guitar lead guitar player uh, from the time I was, you know, that's just what I wanted to do basically, or, or maybe it just kind of fell to me as, as default. But um, I don't know that I was very good at either of them coming up, but that was what I did. <laughs> anyway, I had a, I was in a band uh, with a drummer that was really great from the time we were in middle school. And uh, I didn't even really think about playing drums until way later. And then, um, that band uh, kind of coalesced over the years into what ended up being Scarlet, and we had one record out on an independent uh, label type release thing. And uh, I was the lead guitar player and lead singer, and you know, primary songwriter in that. And then after that, uh, that kind of went through a lot of changes, uh, members and stuff. I was really the only constant guy in it, and I, finally, it, you know kind of dissipated and gave way to other things that I was trying to do. And then, you know, you kind of flash forward to Prodigal Sons where I was the drummer uh, in that band. And that's pretty much, I was just saying, uh, uh, back up and play drums in, in that band. But that was a real learning experience for me because I, I was by far the least talented guy in the band. And, and uh, the, the singer, uh, violinist, was... Um, I don't like to throw the word around uh, genius very much because everybody says that, and I feel like it's kind of uh, lost its shine over the years. Everybody claims that so-and-so is a genius or whatever, but 
from a musical standpoint, that's about as close to a genius as I've ever been involved with. Uh, he was a brilliant um, musician, songwriter, just an all-around great guy. And uh, so I learned a lot in that band. Um, and it was it was a real eye-opening experience uh, in a lot of ways to play with those guys, and, and it certainly helped prepare me uh, for my career going forward. Is that how they then got the name Prodigal Sons because he was like a prodigy? Oh no, I don't know how we came up with that man. It was just sort of a he was um, he was in a band uh, who I'm speaking of is Chris Carmichael, and uh, he's a, a highly sought after and very successful session uh, string arranger and, and um, player uh, now. Uh, he doesn't really tour anymore. I think that was one of the re reasons that the band really um, didn't make it over the hump because he really didn't want, he had been on the road for a long time and he really didn't want to continue with that. And I think when it sort of looked like we might have some success in that department, I think he kind of realized, I just don't want to do that. But um, anyway, um, we just came up with that sitting around. It was really his solo band. He was in a band uh, that had a record deal on Atlantic called 15 Strings. And the record never ended up coming out but um they didn't record the whole thing and uh they were really popular around the nashville area and he decided he didn't want to go that route anymore and so he was uh looking at a solo record deal and i somehow ended up being uh, got the gig as the drummer for his solo band which ended up turning into prodigal sons uh but it wasn't I don't. I certainly don't think it was uh, so named because of that. Uh, he he's far too humble to um, oh, okay. <laughs> to to refer to himself as a pro <laughs> anything like that. No, it just just came out. You know, we spelled it S U N S, so it was kind of a play on words. And, oh, okay. Um, yeah, we were. I mean, I don't want to say we were ahead of our time because that makes it sound like I'm, you know, I'm being uh, egotistical. Or we, we certainly were. Um, different, I guess, is what what you could say. I never saw uh, or heard anybody else that that sounded like that, and most of it was just because of him, because he had a very unique thing happening, and and uh, he's still a friend, and he's a he's a uh, and still a brilliant guy. So it was a very short lived project. There was no record or anything like that. I've got a four song demo that we that we did that I can't really say was ever completely finished so it was um it, it was it was very short-lived but it was great we had a great time doing it too oh cool i just heard about those from like bob and like denny recently so i guess i just wanted to ask and thought this would be a good time but when you were in those bands or at least in scarlet you played guitar like what were your influences to pick up guitar and like sing uh, I mean, like I said, I don't know. I think I think maybe just because um, it kind of came to me as uh, by default. Uh, most of the, you know, I started uh, formulating band ideas and stuff like that when I was still in uh, fifth and sixth grade. Just because of, uh, you know, I, I was into music and I and I, when I heard and saw Kiss, it blew my mind so hard that I felt like I, I wanted to do. Music, there's never been any real question in my mind what I wanted to do. I never wanted to be a astronaut or a fireman or anything like that. I always said I want to 
you know, this is all I want to do. And, uh, and so I think, uh, I just, my dad played guitar and I always had guitars around the house and he encouraged me to learn how to play guitar. I kind of really did at first want to play drums, but it just seemed not super practical. You know, you had to have a whole giant set of drums and a place to put them and, and all that. And, uh, he was always, um, of the mindset that you, know, you can entertain somebody with a guitar and you can play a song and sing it and you can go to a party and everybody will listen to what you're doing, but you can't really bring a drum set to a party and entertain. So I just went for the <laughs> path of least resistance, I guess, and started playing guitar. And, um, you know, I, I guess I never really wanted to be a virtuoso player type thing. I mean, I guess it would have been great, but uh, not to the point where, you know, I just wanted to be in a band and I just wanted to play music. So I didn't really, I wasn't trying to be the greatest guitar player of all time or any of that kind of stuff. And it took me a, a while to get my legs, certainly um, vocally. Uh, it, 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 I wasn't very good <laughs> to start with. And it took me a while to, uh, to find my voice uh, literally and, and figuratively and, uh, so I don't really know. I can't, I don't have a solid answer for that. I wasn't in love with, uh, the guitar and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't, I didn't, not something I felt like was my destiny or something that I needed to be a guitar player and singer. I just wanted to be in a band. And that is the instrument that I picked up and, uh, got good enough to be in a band. And I kind of never looked back from there. I guess it makes sense, yeah, because it's easier to yeah carry around a guitar too. You'd have to assemble the drum kit, and uh, like you said, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably a lot easier to get that. Yeah, yeah, actually. But then, like, how did you uh, find your uh, voice though? Like, um, you just kept like singing different styles and see what worked. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I didn't. I just went for it, and I didn't have a particularly good ear back then so i would think i was really nailing it and stuff and and even some of the recorded work that i've done I, uh early on i go well i rarely go back and listen to any of that stuff but anytime that i have the uh, unfortunate uh pleasure of of hearing of that stuff i i just kind of cringe and i hear that you know my voice was really uh, uh not not very well it was very untrained and i was yeah, i was pitchy and that kind of stuff you know it took me a long time to get it together but um i don't know i i guess i just eventually found it by um trying to emulate the singers that i dug man which which uh, my voice always sort of leaned into that kind of rod stewart steve marriott um bob seeger ish type thing not that i'm comparing myself to them in any way but i just always had that sort of high tenor raspy thing and i just kind of went for it and that's what came out and uh as i got better at at doing it and and developed my ear and stuff i guess that's just where i sort of uh landed gravitated towards that that kind of thing and uh, so even though i you know i'm able to do other things I think I've mostly played in rock and roll bands and stuff. So that, that kind of came in handy to have that in my arsenal. Uh, I'm comfortable doing other kinds of material, but I just, that kind of stuff always sort of came naturally, I guess, to me. And so 
that's how I found it by just uh, swinging at it until I finally made contact. Well, you'd made contact, and like like I said earlier, like you, I definitely bring like a edge, I guess, to uh, the great affairs. Well, thank you. I hope hope that's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about too is uh, last year I got to stay at your house, and um, yeah. I was actually a little bit nervous. I have to say. I asked Denny if I could come down, and he said he was doing, like, the remodeling. And yeah. uh, he said, but you're welcome to stay at Kenny's. And I was like, oh, okay. But I was actually um, a little bit um, intimidated because I've never, like, I've talked to you, like, briefly at shows and stuff, but you seem to have, like, this huge, like, like musical knowledge of the 70s, and I'm only, like, I don't know. Like, I still feel like a baby or whatever, learning like all these older <laughs> bands. And you're like, uh, so like, um, I don't know. You're always wearing a classic rock like T-shirt of some like band, and I don't know. Like, I was just like, oh my god, I'm going to Kenny's house. <laughs> and, and then well, it even was a pleasure having you. So, um, did you thumb through my record collection though? I actually uh, didn't thumb through it, but oh, um, you I have to. I got to describe this because I don't know how many people have been in your house, but I went not many upstairs. It's this real uh, steep like staircase. And then up there is like a museum of like kiss stuff. There's like a pinball machine. There's like a Peter Chris mannequin. And then there's this huge, like, I feel like it was a wall. It's just a big wall of uh, vinyl records. And I just kind of stood there for like a few seconds, but it felt like minutes. I'm like, God, this is like huge. Well, the next time you're there, you definitely need to flip through it, man. It's, uh, it's uh, everything you need to know about uh, about rock and rolls in there, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, man. Yeah, <laughs> I did notice that there was like every Alice Cooper album from the '70s, at least that. Fr- yeah, everyone. Period. Yeah, is that stuff that like? Because I was going to ask about that. Is that stuff? that you acquired back then when it was being released or do you still buy albums today or um i had a massive record collection that i accumulated over uh the time from the time i was a young kid up until i was probably in my mid 20s and i kept a lot of it so all that all of that classic stuff like the Alice Cooper stuff and the Kiss and Queen and Cheap Trick and Nazareth and all all those things all that stuff i kept but I had a big, um, a very obscure and pretty broad collection of like 80s metal stuff by bands that most people or a lot of people probably never heard of before. And a lot of that stuff, I kind of lost my uh, I kind of lost my taste for that uh, when I got a little bit older. And I sold a lot of, of that stuff, which I later regretted. And I have since gone back and um, bought that stuff, you know, found it in record stores and on eBay and things like that. So it's taken me a long time, but I think I've narrowed it down to, I think I've got like 30 albums out of the probably 4,500 records that I had uh, when I started selling some of that stuff off that I still need to replace. And uh, so I feel pretty good good about the fact that i went back and and have essentially restored my record collection but yeah most of it was things that i accumulated in real time uh growing up as you know i don't i don't much go in for the uh new 
like the re-release stuff, the 180 gram vinyl and stuff. I, I, I generally like listening to my old scratchy records. I have some of that newer stuff because, you know, if you, if you want to buy an album by a new artist, there is no other way to purchase it on vinyl than than a than a new new copy of it but uh i i prefer my vintage stuff as i do with pretty much every everything else that i have oh you had mentioned nazareth that was the one band too that we like talked about i remember sitting at your Mm -hmm. table and you were talking about nazareth and i'm like oh my god i've never really listened to that band but i should now (laughs) because kenny likes them (laughs) yeah they're always one of my favorites i don't really know um what um what the gravitational pull was with the, with them, but I've always dug them. And I think we probably got into that conversation because I have uh, on my forthcoming record, I had done that cover tune of one of their songs. And I, that was one of the earlier things that I finished off the record. And I think I played it for you. So, um, yeah. And you asked me where, what that was from. And I told you. so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Nazareth fan. Also in your collection, up there, uh, there's some other stuff that was like, I mentioned like the Kiss like pinball machine. Like, mm-hmm. how'd you get that? Is that like something you always had, or is that recent? I've had it for no, I've had it for many many years. I remember it was in the mid '80s, and uh, Kiss was not uh, at that point. It was before they were back in style, and they weren't as collect- nearly as collectible as they are now. Um, and I remember looking for i really wanted a kiss pinball machine because i grew up with those things at the arcade and the skating rink and all that stuff and i I always wanted one and i said if i ever as an adult if i ever find one of those things i'm going to buy it and uh, i had somehow found this guy that was selling one i bought it for 325 dollars, and it was working but his kids had written on it with crayon (laughs) <laughs> and stuffed pennies down in the in the slots and everything, and I took it home and cleaned it up and um, and it worked great for years. But I moved a bunch of times, and when you move those vintage machines, it can um, mess them up. And the la- one of the last times I moved, it messed it up, and it sat basically just like it is was, excuse me, for years and years and years. And then I finally found somebody about ten years ago, maybe that um i was able to fix it for me and he refurbed the entire thing and uh he's worked on it a couple times since a little thing will go out here or there but it's uh it's pretty much good as new um uh, yeah between all the work he did on it and then i've cleaned it up inside and out and and uh, it's uh it's in complete working order and uh, i'm very uh, glad to have it Oh, because I was just like, should I even touch this or, or not? <laughs> just let me know. Afraid. I'll be glad to turn it on for you the next time you're here. We'll, we'll play. <laughs> then another thing that was up there, too, was that Peter Chris, I guess, life-size mannequin. Like, Yeah, yeah. Is that something, well, too? That's, like... a, that's an interesting story. I, um, In the um, late 90s, early 2000s, I was in a Kiss tribute band uh, called Hotter Than Hell. Oh really? And uh, yeah, and that, and so, and they were the band that Gene Simmons had selected to. They basically used them to block all the shots for the Detroit Rock City movie, so um, they got to do the whole being on the the big Alive Two stage, and and uh, ultimately, a Kiss ended up using their own 
uh, footage of them, but they used them for all the blocking and stuff. So uh, after that, in the interim, after the movie was filmed, but before it came out, they parted ways with their drummer that was in the band. And I was recommended to them by somebody because I was just basically doing whatever work, man. I was just kind of a gun for hire back then. And uh, I started playing with them just kind of for fun, but it also paid really well. So I did a bunch of gigs with those guys. And um, that costume is uh, one that the, the guy that I replaced actually had made and he had a lot of it made by the guys that are the the i guess the seamstress guy that um uh, put together their costumes for the reunion tour and stuff so it's a full-on 100 percent replica of peter's 77 78 uh love gun outfit and i got it from him and he had it on that mannequin and so i somehow talked him into giving me the mannequin with the costume and it's been on display at my house ever since. So I don't use the outfit anymore, but I have worn it many times to do gigs with us. Oh, dang. Um, how long were you in that band? Uh, I mean, off and on, I did it for a few years and then I, if that kiss tribute band thing is sort of a, a real, I hate to use the word incestuous, but as soon as you get, in one of those bands, there's so many of them that somebody's always looking to pilfer a member uh, from somebody, uh, you know, from somebody else's Kiss tribute band. So I, I played a lot of shows with them uh, for over the course of a couple of years, and then I did a lot of uh, gigs with other Kiss tribute bands. Or I say a lot, uh, some gigs with other tribute bands that just needed a guy. Uh, to fill in some dates and stuff. But, I mean, I don't know that I was ever a full-on member member of the band. I just did it for fun and profit, essentially. So, uh, But I also was in an Eagles tribute band, uh, and that, I did that for a solid year. And that was much more uh, satisfying, I think, from a musical standpoint, because there so many more intricacies to uh, performing the Eagles thing. And I was doing the Don Henley stuff. So I got to sing lead on, you know, most of the song or a lot of the songs and, and uh, some really tight harmonies. We worked real hard on making that thing sound as pretty much just like the Eagles. And uh, so I was really, um, I, I learned a lot in that band too, man. We, uh, we toured all over the place and, and had some good times and I, I got to play with a lot of, great musicians that ended up being lifelong friends. Um, and, uh, one of the guy that was the, uh, main guy in the band, the guy that ran, ran the band, he is in, uh, he plays with Taylor Swift now and has for pretty much ever since, uh, the demise of that group. So it was a real, uh, it was a real great learning experience as well. I got to play with some fantastic players and like I said, went all over the place and, uh, made, made lifelong friendships and a lot of people kind of snicker when you say you're in a tribute band and stuff, but you know, it's great fun. And it's, uh, everybody in that band was doing something else. Uh, and they just were doing that for the fun of it. And cause it paid good, you know, trying to bridge the gap and make ends meet. And so that's what I was doing in there too, but it was a good fun. And so I've done a lot of stuff like that. 
Oh, wow, man, that is cool. Because, yeah, you guys even um, have recorded uh, on that six-pack, I think, with Great Affairs. You guys did mm. Don Henley's song on there. Yeah, and that was sort of the impetus for that was the fact that I had um, played that in that Eagles band. And it went over real well. We did that um, acoustic version of it, essentially, uh, like it is on that uh, six-pack record. Well, we we did it acoustically in the Eagles band where I came out front and, and sang it. Uh, it wasn't like uh, the recorded Don Henley version. It was like the way the Eagles actually did it on those tours that they that they performed it. So, yeah, that's where uh, the idea to record that for the six-pack album came from. Oh, cool. I guess you just can't do it at, uh, what is it, John Brown's on the square. <laughs> no, John Brown does not want to hear any Don Henley stuff, so we we, we uh we leave that out because we love the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then on that, uh, what is it? It was you guys had um, number four, your first one, I think. There was 4.5 mm-hmm. that had Hard Luck Woman on there, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that I always wanted to do. That's one of my favorite songs, period, of all time. Not just Kiss songs. I love that song. And uh, I always loved Peter's voice on it. I just thought it was great. And I always wanted to do that. And we had run out of, uh, we were starting to run out of our initial fours. And Denny and I started talking about maybe doing a couple bonus tracks on there. And I said, why don't we just go in and I, I really want to do that. Let's do a couple of covers. And I had already had the, the basic tracks for the Fleetwood Mac song that's on there and that I was going to use for something else that I had cut a long time ago. So we just used my tracks for the Fleetwood Mac thing and we started Harlot Woman from scratch and did it. And I thought it, they both came out pretty well. I, I was I was real satisfied with the, with the results. Yeah, because that um, um, those both do sound pretty good. Thank I think you. I was I think I was thinking like I recently pulled that one out and I was thinking of something else. I knew there was a Fleetwood Mac uh, cover. Didn't you do uh, Dreams, I think, too? Or uh, what am I thinking I did, of? Well, that's where that came from. I did Dreams with, uh, for a while, my daughter, who's very talented, uh, she thought she wanted to pursue a career in music. So I went into the studio and tracked um, almost like a sound-alike thing for Dreams. And I, while I was in there, I went ahead and tracked the drums for to go your own way that ended up on uh 4.5 but uh so the dreams i did for her and that got finished uh i just got players that i'm accustomed to playing with played on it for me and uh and it turned out really well and then i did another couple of things with her in the studio but she ultimately made the right decision and decided that she wanted to do something like go to college and uh, be responsible and not follow that muse around all the time like she saw me do my entire life so uh that stuff just kind of ended up being started and, and finished and then it's just kind of out there for posterity but she did not pursue a career in music and i uh applaud her for that decision i guess yeah because i had to end ask up like her old man. i'm sorry I had to ask because i um i couldn't remember where i had heard that from but yeah i don't know where i mean honestly don't know where you might have heard that. I don't think I've played it for too many people, but um, 
I, but it is out there in the ether somewhere, so it it can be it can be heard if you look around for it enough. It was probably something Bob Long sent to me or something because how he's got that scarlet thing. He's got he's got everything. <laughs> yeah. He does. Had you ever been out to uh, Shandy's out there at all? Yeah, I got to go a couple of times before the um, before all that happened, and uh, before the explosion and all that. So yeah, I did. It was um, it was almost more than I could take in. I felt like I needed to uh, ask him if I could come in there um, while they're closed and just spend six or eight hours sifting through all his. Uh, all this stuff because there's that's more than I was able to do in the uh, amount of time that was allotted while we stopped by there the few times that we did. So I would love to have gone in there and just, you know, brought a sack lunch and checked it out. Yeah, because I always felt like every time I went there, like I had to like I could only spend like a half hour in there at a time, or I would spend way too much money. So I'm like, I'm just gonna get a couple things and then leave because I know I'm gonna yeah on the way out I'll find something else. Something. Well. Bob did the coolest thing uh, for me. We played at, uh, I think it was one of the Rock and Skulls, and we played with uh, Loudness was on the bill. And I'm a, I really love Loudness. It's one of the, uh, one of the handful of those bands from that era that I felt like stood up for me over time. You know, they they didn't get into too much, certainly the earlier stuff. And anyway, he had. Um, a copy of uh, their first album in there, which I did not have. And he had it in his, um, in his eighties uh, metal selection over there. And <clears throat> I said, man, I, uh, I really love to have that. And, but I, I don't remember why I didn't pick it up at the time. It was, wasn't a money thing. Cause he only wanted like $8 for it or something. It was crazy. But anyway, <laughs> uh, long story short, it was my, we were playing there. It was my birthday and uh they had a cake and he brought that loudness album out and gave it to me and then he had uh all the guys in the band sign it so i have a autographed copy of uh i think it's birthday's eve and uh it was my birthday and i charity made me a really cool cake and it was vegan and it was awesome so uh yeah it was one of those cool things that happens to you on the road yeah like you can't beat that birthday that's not at all yeah not at all that was a great birthday getting just getting to play uh for you know i really enjoy playing down there in central illinois uh there's a lot of history there because denny and uh patrick are, are both from there and so you get to see a lot of the um same people when you go that you kind of develop friendships with you know as you know and so it's always nice to be able to play down there and then you get to play with a band like loudness and some of those other bands that i i I just came up with really digging and uh so that was already cool enough but then it was my birthday and we had a great show and then they lay that whole cake and autographed copy of loudness i mean I, i just thought well you know you don't get much better than this I'm trying to think back, like I remember from that show, it was like, yeah, you guys opened up, it was like noon or something, and then Loudness was a couple bands after you guys, and I just remember, I'd never heard of them before, but when they played, like, it seriously, like, rattled my body. They were, yeah. uh, So I guess they lived up to their name. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were loud, and they were, they, 
have stood the test of time as far as just their playing. You know, they're as every bit as uh, good as they are. Uh, they they are every bit as good now as they were back in the '80s when they were in their quote unquote prime. A different drummer because the original drummer passed away, but otherwise it's the original band. I thought they were great, so it's nice to see um, guys delivering still. Uh, after all these all these years because some of those bands they show up and you know you don't recognize any of the members and they're not always great but they definitely were whether you like their music or not there's there's no way you could say that they didn't that they didn't bring it had you seen them back in the day i did yeah i saw them a couple of times and uh, so i was pleasantly uh surprised but i was very happy to see that they that they still had it and uh, yeah it's it was it was a good show have you gotten to play with any of your other um i guess kind of like musical heroes or influences like that like open it up for them or share the stage uh yeah i have um i mean one of the things that a lot of people would um not probably not get it but um i'm a huge waylon jennings fan and his drummer Richie Albright still lives here in town, and um, I was fortunate enough to have him. He played, uh, I did a Waylon cover on my first solo album, and he played, he came out and played drums on it for me and just did it for the hang. He didn't charge me or anything like that, and we had a great hang, and he just killed it. And, um, we, he told me a bunch of great stories uh, about the old days and uh, just stories that you can't get from just anybody. I mean, he he's had a, a long and illustrious career with Waylon. And, uh, and then we got to do some gigs together uh, and we played dual drums on stage together and things like that. So uh, even though that guy's not considered like a household name in most circles, that to me was about as cool as playing with you know it's, it's about like being on stage with paul stanley or something like that i mean he uh, meant that much to me as a as a player and as a producer um so yeah like i've played with tons of i've got to open for lots of bands that i, I really uh admire and went went way back with and stuff i, I uh not just hadn't been that long ago i mean, well, maybe it has now four or five years ago i guess we uh, opened up for um, Eric Martin from Mr. Big, and he invited me to come up on stage and sing uh, 30 Days in the Hole with him. And that was just great. I mean, he was a great guy. He's a great, great singer. And so that was very flattering just to ha be able to come up and and do that with him. So I've, I've gotten an opportunity to play with lots of uh, lots of guys. When I was, I was in a band called Bone Pony for about... 10 years and uh i got to play with a lot of guys in that band that are just uh, more like session player side guy type things that you probably wouldn't know any of their names but they were big um influences on on me and um i got to actually play with them on stage and in the studio and things like that and then we got we did gigs with um all kinds of bands like you know skinnered and the outlaws and the doobie brothers and all that kind of stuff so uh, i've played with a whole ton of people that um 
that I can say were influences on me growing up and gotten to watch them do their thing from the side of the stage and uh, been on on the same cruises with them and things like that. So yeah, it, uh, I've gotten to do a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm very, I feel very fortunate in that way. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah. um, you reminded me of that Eric Martin show. Um, yeah. I remember that was five years ago. You guys came up and you played the Adler show the night before. And then there was the Eric Martin one, I think, uh, the next night, right? If you say so, man, I don't know that it, everything kind of runs together. Yeah. I do remember doing the Adler show and I remember playing with Eric, but I don't remember what the, um, what the chronology of it was. I think I might remember it more cause I made the, um, Adler poster, I guess. Ah, well, there you so. go. I do remember so. too, the Eric Martin, when he brought a bunch of you guys up on stage too. And it seemed more like he was like a comedian than a singer. <laughs> yeah he's 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 pretty gregarious and funny he's a funny guy on and off stage but yeah i think i think um henry might have come up and sang uh some backup on uh, to be with you and i think pat might have came up and played acoustic guitar or, or something I, I don't exactly remember i know uh he brought tommy edwards up and they did um cat stevens uh, wild world because that was on a mr big record so oh, that's right. uh, yeah he was very um he's very gracious in that way how did you end up getting uh hooked up with denny then uh in and doing great affairs um well that's kind of a uh a, a multi-layered story but i met denny probably well, i met denny when i was in prodigal sons uh and that was in 94 I guess 94, 95. So I guess he and um, a bunch of the other guys that he was playing with, including Joshua Ketchmark, uh, they all moved down here from uh, Illinois. And I guess they were sort of fans of Prodigal Sons. And I have a vague recollection of hanging out with all of them um, after a gig or something like that at a local club around here. And we just were hanging out. But I didn't really, uh, I guess they moved back, and I, I didn't really, I can't say that I knew Denny at all, uh, but I did uh, maintain my friendship with uh, Joshua Ketchmark, and we played together off and on and doing different things over the years uh, until he moved out to L.A. in uh, 2000, I think it was. But anyway, I, I, I didn't really have much occasion to see Denny uh, at, at all much after that so i can't say that i knew him at all but um joshua came to town and i worked on a record with him and denny came to the studio a few times and at the time i think uh they had a bunch of gigs booked as former which uh was his other band in addition to the great affairs he had two projects going at once sort of uh, similar personnel, but uh, I think Billy Baker was the drummer and former, and he had to have some surgery, and it basically sidelined him to where he couldn't fulfill these gigs. And we were at the studio, and there was kind of lull in my tour schedule with Bone Pony. We weren't playing quite as much then, uh, which is what essentially afforded me the time to work on that record with with Josh and. So he asked me if I was interested in picking up 
those dates that Billy couldn't do. And I said, yeah, just send me some, I don't know what the material sounds like. So send it to me. And, uh, he literally physically snail mailed me a copy of the CD and, um, I was just blown away, man. I thought every song was better than the next and I dug everything about it. I loved his voice. I loved every, I just loved everything about the record, man, or the, the songs that he sent. They were from several different records, but I, I just dug it, man. And the, I think the first thing that was on the disc was Dodge. And I kind of said to myself, this is all I need to hear. Uh, I definitely want to do this gig. <laughs> and then, uh, so I, I said, yeah, I want to do the, I'll pick up the gigs with you. And we did whatever gigs it was that, that he had on the books. And then he and I, in the meantime, had talked about getting together and doing, um, like a duo record, which turned out to be a record called the die youngs. Uh, well, the band was called the die youngs. It was just he and I, um, and I, at that point was still pretty much playing with bone pony full time. So I couldn't really commit to joining that former great affairs Alliance type thing because I was pretty busy with those guys. But then that sort of started to, uh, reveal itself that it wasn't going to end up going on for that much longer. So I asked him if he wanted to make that record. And in the meantime, I basically committed to being the drummer for the great affairs. And so we kind of made, the Die Young's record and the Great Affairs 4 record at the same time. And uh, I'd already also, I'd already played with Pat um, for fun. We had a, a little side project probably 10 years prior to that. Uh, not too long after he had, I guess, first moved to Nashville called, um, we called it the Jeff Beebe Band, uh, which was a kind of a, a spoof on the uh, almost famous movie. But um, anyway, I just wanted to play with those guys because I loved what Denny was bringing musically. Pat and I were friends already. And I was seeing, you know, my curtain call in the band that I had been playing with for the last nine years. Uh, you know, it was basically kind of coming to an end. So I felt like it was the natural thing to do. And, uh, I also felt like I wanted to, I needed to do something different. And Denny, really seemed interested in my um, input as an artist. He wanted me to bring in my own songs after he heard, you know, the things that I had played him that I'd, I'd done. He wanted me to, he want, wanted to do some of the tunes that I already had for my solo record and this, that, and the other. And he, you know, wanted me to come in and, and uh, bring my own tunes to the, to the project, which I felt like for a guy that, was essentially responsible for all the songwriting, all the singing stuff. I thought that was pretty damn cool that he um, encouraged that and uh, had enough respect for me as a, as an artist and a player to invite me in to his band, their band and have me do my own thing in there. And uh, so I'm very grateful to them for uh, allowing me to do that. And I've been, incredibly satisfied musically i guess the um, stars kind of lined up and i've been this is my ninth year playing with those guys and i couldn't be happier oh wow your ninth year i think my uh, entry point was whenever that die young's record came out 
we were basically simultaneously recording that and four at the same time. But we had in the, in the process of doing that, we had decided, okay, I'm going to join the great affairs and we need to kind of make that our primary focus because that's, that's the thing that, you know, the band is the, is the real important thing. So we kind of back burned that die youngs thing, but, um, four okay. came out before four came out before the die youngs did, but we actually recorded them at the same time. So we just made the die youngs record a full length album, whereas four was just an EP. So we went ahead and finished that up. So we'd have material to tour on and things like that. And so that's kind of how that, that shaped up. Okay. Gotcha. Cause yeah, I think it was, yeah, the die youngs had maybe came out the first time I saw you guys. And then later that summer was the 4.5. I think we added the covers on there. Yeah, we did four. Then we did the, in the, in the interim, the die youngs came out and then we repressed with the 4.5 with the new songs on it and the different cover and all that. So yeah, that's the timeline. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you guys did hook up. Like I said, you guys are like, like one of my favorite bands to see. And I've traveled across a couple state lines too. I know. I know you've turned up all kinds of places and I'm always glad to see you. Man. I think there's even like a meme or something um, <laughs> that I've seen where there's a band playing and there's a lot of like graffiti or something on a wall and there's a guy standing there and it's just one guy and it's like, we'd like to thank Brandon for coming out tonight or something like that. And I'm like, hey, I saw the great affairs there. I've been that. I was that guy. <laughs> you've been that guy. Yeah. Well, thankfully we've not done any gigs where it was only you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thankfully for everybody, there's nobody wants to sit through that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're always uh, we're always happy to see you, man. So I guess one last little uh, thing, I guess before we wrap up, because I don't want to keep you too long. But is there any kind of like, um, not to uh, totally reveal everything, but is there any kind of uh, teasers you can talk about for the new uh, stuff you guys are working on? Uh, I mean, yeah, I can talk at, at as much length as you want to about it because it's a, it's a really different record for us. Um, it is essentially done. We are we have one tune still in, in the production uh, stage, but everything else is mixed and ready to be sent off to master as soon as we finish this last one. But uh, it's um, it's very different because we kind of started out i think we our initial thing was we came out with a uh, ep uh, i guess a year ago or so i don't even i can't remember exactly what the timeline is on it but um it had um three songs on it mm-hmm. and i think it, it and it was only a, an online release like you can only get it on itunes or whatever and i think we thought the physical product thing I guess everybody says that that medium is dead. So we thought we'd try our hand at doing a just digital release and it did not fare nearly as well as we hoped it would. So we initially had planned on doing a series of three song EPs and then maybe at one point compiling them all and doing some sort of pressing of it or whatever. But after the uh, disappointing results of that, initial uh trying our hand at that initially we decided 
let's just go on and make a regular record. I mean, that's, that's just what we do. And we may never uh, catch up to that whole, you know, uh, digital only thing. I don't know. Uh, we were probably in that limbo area of just, I don't think our fan base is, is ever going to be down with that. I think they pretty much want to buy a, a CD. So, or that's what we've, uh, decided anyway. And I like making records, man. You know, I love the process of going in and, and recording and sitting down behind the console and laboring over that stuff until you, you know, your hair falls out and all that. I just, that's what I <laughs> dig to do, man. I, if I could only do one thing, it would be just make records. I love it. Uh, uh, but, um, anyway, because of the fact that we weren't really trying for any sort of continuity within the context of songwriting or whatever there's a whole bunch of different styles on here and as i always do i twisted denny's arm to bring out some tunes that he always said you know i always dug he had demoed uh years ago and uh, i and i'd always be on him about man we should do that one and he would say no that we can't do that that's just that didn't fit in and he finally he finally relented on a couple of them and that i really wanted to add to it and matt matt's always been a, a big sort of proponent of that too you know he he gravitates to a lot of the stuff that i think that denny probably doesn't feel like um serves the greater good as far as our sound stylistically or whatever but this time we just said you know what let's just throw all this stuff up against the wall and see what sticks and uh i, I feel like we've come out with a it may not be it may not you know our last album that 10 and 2 i feel like it was pretty cohesive as far as the song structure and how it all kind of ran together and stuff we made a conscious effort to sort of make all the songs uh similar in style the songs that we chose that so nothing would be too far afield and uh but this time we didn't do that but there's still some sort of when i listen to the mixes uh, one right after the other there's a, a nice thread that runs through the whole thing and I don't I can't really be specific about what it is but it doesn't sound nearly as uh, disjoint as I thought it might uh, when I started looking at these songs individually before we put them together as an album but we've got all kinds of things on there I mean uh, there's um, uh, there's a a lot of just really disparate type of uh, musical styles all coming together as one in there um, called the Believe in Ghosts and we worked really hard on that um, to get it just like his initial vision of it was and he uh, describes it as a rock and roll Bee Gees type thing it's got huh. a it's got a real swing to it and, and it's and it's very cool it's um, uh, I, I feel like it's one of the best tunes on the record uh, we just put one up for um just to listen to uh, called livia and that's got a real rick spring rick springfield vibe to it uh, i feel like it uh if we'd have really you know if we'd have been a band 40 years ago and released that we probably would have at least been a one-hit wonder it's a really cool song and um michael st leon as he always does just knock the mix out of the park i feel like and uh, uh i feel like it's one of the strongest things on the record um uh, I got a song on there called Worn Out Souls that um, I, I basically wrote. Uh, and 
it's kind of got a bad company type or a classic bad company type vibe to it so it's a little bit all over the map um but like i said it, i still feel like it um kind of comes around and it all sounds like the great affairs to me or what the great affairs have uh come to be uh, you know after all this time that i've been in the band we've been doing these things um kind of refining what we do i feel like you know this might be sort of a culmination of everything that we've sort of worked for over this whole period so i'm really excited about it just just from a stylistic standpoint I, i'm i'm happy with the way it's turned out Oh, awesome. Because, yeah, like, I'm really looking forward to it. I know other people are because it seems like each each one that I've heard so far since I've been a fan, you guys, like, progress, like, so far. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the best thing I've ever heard. And then the next <laughs> one's, like, the best one I've ever heard. So I'm like, I'm trying not to overhype um, this next one, but it's hard to not. Well, I guess, you know, it depends on, you know, everybody has a – I'm sure every time any band puts out a record, they feel like it's their best – their best work and uh, i know a lot of you know fans can be disappointed with with things but i feel like that honestly i feel like as long as um you've got that thread of of going through it that um denny is basically sort of woven throughout the entire um time he's had the great affairs and former and all that stuff uh, he's essentially the architect behind that stuff and as long as he's kind of steering the ship i feel like people are going to be happy with it and uh, uh it's a it's a very cool thing to know that um he's always got great material to lay on everybody and i you know he's never tossed anything out there that i thought now this just is not going to pass muster this is not good his every then everything he puts out there is just as good or better than the last thing he put out there. And, um, I feel like we just kind of keep, um, we kind of keep refining it and I'd, I'd like to think we keep getting better with every record. So I, hope, I think you do. Yeah. Well, thanks. I hope you feel that way when you hear this one. I hope everyone does. Uh, Cause we're certainly happy about it. Yeah. And then you guys do, you have Michael St. Leon as like almost like your secret, a weapon too. He is our secret weapon. I don't even, I don't even know. I wouldn't call it a secret anymore uh, because uh, he's a, a Grammy winner and deservedly so. And uh, he is another guy that every time I think he's impressed me as much as he can impress me, he just pulls something else out of his gigantic bag. And uh, it's awesome. Uh, he has put in some uh incredible work on this record and he is tireless with it i mean he never leaves you hanging he uh every little nuance that we ask for him to do he does it and he brings it and then some and i couldn't be um more i feel as fortunate as i feel to be playing with um these guys that i play with i feel equally as fortunate to um have him uh, working in the capacity that that uh, that he is. Uh, he's done so much for, to help um, manufacture our sound and 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 stuff. And also, uh, it should definitely not go um, 
unnoticed that uh, Joshua Ketchmar has his own uh, studio here in town, and he has done a ton of work on this record, and uh, he deserves all the credit in the world for so much of what we've uh, done on this album. He has done a ton of behind-the-scenes work on it. He's done a ton of mix work on it. He's played uh, some guitar on it, and he's oh, cool. offered his two cents and his um, his production ideas and stuff. Uh, he's also a very, very uh, brilliant and talented guy, and I can't say enough about what he's brought to this record. When it all is said and done, when it all comes out, uh, he deserves a lot of credit for the finished product on, on this thing and I'm, I couldn't be happier that um, he's um, taken the time and and, uh, and added his you know creative two cents in there it, it's really made a big difference this time so um, don't want to uh, I don't want to freeze him out on that he definitely deserves a lot of credits and uh, do you know um, exactly when it'll be out? Like maybe would it be later in the year? Yeah, well, I mean, unless we have another um, epidemic or something, I don't see anything stopping us from getting it uh, finished and released. Like I said, we have one more song that's still in the production phase of it, but the rest of the songs are are uh, mixed and ready to be mastered. So once we polish this next one off, uh, we, we're I think we're kind of planning a kind of a special package for this one that we haven't tried with anything else so it'll probably take us a little bit longer to get the uh, packaging done than it generally mm. would but otherwise it shouldn't be any difference in any other release as soon as it's um mastered it's going to be ready to roll we'll send it out and um, have it pressed up and i'm imagining that an October or November release date is definitely practical. It certainly should be out and ready to roll before the end of the year. Are you going to have like great affairs action figures with like Kung Fu grip or something? You know what? <laughs> Possibly. It's possible. We're, we're knocking around a lot of ideas. And that to me would be the ultimate, as big of a kiss fan as I am having your own action figure. <laughs> that would be the cool that i could die happy if i could if i had an action figure of the great affairs i think that would be the best thing in the world <laughs> so maybe huh. maybe if we can find the budget i don't i can't speak to the kung fu grip but we might get some action figures out of the steel so. oh all right i don't want you to say too much i don't want to <laughs> um, i don't want to get you in trouble with denny or anything <laughs> well he's not my boss <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to reveal anything that's not going to happen. So. I didn't know what was top secret or, or not. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, right now it's still in the planning stages. So we're, we're pretty good about pulling the trigger on stuff when it's when we make up our mind, it'll get done. So I don't know, maybe action figures, maybe uh, a lunchbox. Who or knows? Something. Maybe a lunchbox. That would be awesome. Yeah. I think uh, any of those things are possible. Hmm. Something. Something's going to happen. Um, well, thanks for taking the time to uh, uh, talk to me um, tonight well, about um, all your bands and your Kiss collection and, and everything. <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm uh, humbled. 
hopefully I'll get to see you guys soon because, you know, yeah, everything that's going on is kind of crazy right now. But hopefully. Yeah, I'd like to see us, too. Uh, man, I haven't seen all those all four of those guys in the same room. Uh, I don't think since the last time we had a gig, which has been three months or something. I don't know. Been a while. So, yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to resuming uh, life as we know it. Um, well, it's been a good time talking to you uh, tonight, Kenny. And uh, thanks, everybody, for um, listening to this episode, too. Thank you.